Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends. Maybe you found it, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. On Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, it's a Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald. Go to a host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who subbed in as producer this week, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Technical difficulties, be dang, man. Uh, you know, we 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 trade roles here sometimes. Gerald, uh, not in his home studio, so Kyle uh, is the anchor Wi-Fi basically for this uh, for this recording to make sure. That, uh, that we get it out there. I'm in Rhode Island for work, which is great. I'm, I've never been to Rhode Island. The weather's incredible. I, could, I would murder for this weather to be anywhere else. It's like 70 and breezy <laughs> all day. It's beautiful. My son nice. asked me if there were palm trees on this <laughs> island. So I I had to break it to him that Rhode Island is not an actual <laughs> island in the tropics. So we'll have to have that conversation again when I get home. But uh, we're not here to talk about uh, – well, we actually will end up talking about kids. But uh, we've got a special show for you all tonight. Uh, Fozzie Whitaker, Texas Longhorn player, played several years in the NFL, uh, is joining us tonight to talk a little bit Texas football, kind of expectations, and, and what really how can Texas right the ship for themselves. And obviously it wouldn't be one of our podcasts without a little rapid fire at the end. So we've got Fozzie on to help us preview 73 days out from kickoff. So we've got another preview for you. We're excited to jump in. We said on Tuesday that this would be a uh, a special show and, and we'd have a special guest tonight. And this guy, this man needs no introduction. If you're a Texas fan, you've known him, you've known him for a while, you've seen him on the field. If you're a Carolina fan, you've seen him on the field, you've seen him on Longhorn Network. But he took some time out of his busy schedule uh, to join us. So we have the man, Fozzie Whitaker, on the podcast with us tonight. Man, Fozzie, how are you doing, brother? Man, I'm doing well. I appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, just enjoying all the opportunities this summer to be able to uh, be in the mix with the kiddos at the gym, kind of here and there, but uh, I wouldn't exchange it for the world right now. What, what are you up to this summer? I know obviously Longhorn uh, Network will, will pick up here in a couple months, but are you up to anything, uh, camps or anything going on this summer? Yeah, so I'll have a, a couple of camps hosted. Uh, Bijan Robinson and I will host our free camp here coming up in a couple of weeks in Austin. Uh, and then a couple of weeks after that, I will host my free camp back home in my hometown at, at Pearland High School uh, that I will do then as well at uh, that first Sunday in August. So uh, preparing for those as well as uh, got a camp coming up. We call it Burn Elite. I opened up a gym in January with my wife and uh, nice. two of our business partners called Burn Bootcamp. Uh, and we're having a what we call a burn elite program taking place starting next Monday. And it's a three week program, a little speed and conditioning and some strength training for uh, middle school to high school athletes ages 12 to 18. So that kicks off next Monday for the next three weeks, uh, uh, Monday through Thursday. So getting prepped for that, man, and just uh, taking each day in stride as I'm learning to be an entrepreneur uh, preparing for Big 12 Media Days as well uh, in a few weeks, uh, July 13th and 14th. Uh, so just, man, everything seems to be still moving in, fo- in fast motion for me, but 
uh, like I said, I'm enjoying every moment of it. They're those guys that seem to like slow down a little bit when the when the their football the the playing phase of their football career ends. But it seems like you're accelerating. Uh, what is it? Playing through the whistle, I think, is, is the right way to say it. You're playing past the whistle. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm I'm definitely still hitting full steam ahead every day. Uh, a, a new challenge arises, but it's a challenge that I face and, and try to continually make myself better. So kind of that similar same mindset that I used to take to practice and, and trying to get better each day, 1% better each day. And that's that same mindset that I'm taking as being a new entrepreneur. I've never owned anything. So being able to be kind of at the forefront of something that I am in complete control with at the gym, uh, it's really cool to see that aspect. I've learned so much, but at the same time, I'm just trying to continually get better 1% every single day. So I haven't slowed down on that front yet. Well, we, we appreciate you te- pausing at the very least. Maybe not saying, <laughs> pausing, uh, taking a breath, sitting down uh, with us. So we we have had the opportunity to to connect with one of your teammates. We had uh, Sam Macho back on the podcast a little bit ago. But we anytime we, we have you know, former players on. We, we want to obviously get your thoughts on the on the team and where things are at, and your work with LHN gives you an opportunity to do that. But we won't, we won't stay there. We'll, we'll have some rapid-fire stuff for you at the end. But, man, Fozzie, you, you've had the opportunity to, you know, you were on a championship-caliber team. You were on that, that team that played Alabama for the national championship, and Kyle and I have gone on record in saying that that team should have won the national championship, and we bring up, bring up Colt McCoy in that situation anytime we can. But really, I want to start with a, a broader question. You know, it's it's been a while since Texas has been that level of Texas. And so from your perspective, as somebody who was on a team that was that Texas and set the standard of excellence, like how what is the direction to get them back there? And do you feel like they're they're trending in the right direction? Uh, the, the biggest thing for me, and, and it's something that I truly believe Coach Sark has addressed in this recruiting class doesn't necessarily mean it'll pan out that way, uh, but it's starts in the trenches. Anytime you talk about a football game, you usually win and lose a game depending on how well you can protect your quarterback and how you can run the ball from an offensive perspective. And then from the defensive perspective, how well you can shut down the run and then how well you can get after the quarterback after the run has been eliminated. So seeing that the trenches to me is the most important focal point to begin that foundation of of what Texas needs to get back to in order to be kind of in that national spotlight as a top top tier team uh it starts in the trenches and i and i thought steve sarkeesian did a, a unbelievable job this recruiting cycle had 15 linemen you had uh on the defensive and the offensive side of the ball you got seven on the offensive side eight on the defensive side and so he clearly saw a need for the trenches to be able to be strengthened uh and he went out saw that area of need and addressed it immediately uh this past off season. now The thing that is going to take place is that all of these guys are young. (laughs) So there will be some growing pains, obviously, as these guys get acclimated to the collegiate speed, uh, what it means to be a collegiate athlete at a D1 university like the University of Texas, having that bullseye on your back uh, each and every single week. Uh, But the thing about it is it was addressed and these are top tier athletes, top tier talent that is coming to the University of Texas to help hopefully increase the production on the offensive line and the defensive line. So, I mean, it sounds like a a pretty 
pretty obvious answer to my next question about what the biggest question is on the offense. So maybe I'll, I'll pivot if it's the offensive line is your answer and say what what what's I mean who with a with a, a field of of playmakers out there who is the uh, the biggest playmaker on that offense and uh, you know your guys are going to hear this and someone's going to come uh, come give you crap if you don't you don't pick them but if you just had to pick one who's who's the uh, the biggest playmaker on the offense well to unpivot to to your first question right I, I do think offensive line is a giant question mark but outside of that I also believe the quarterback position is a place of, of big question mark because we've seen Hudson Card in action last season I don't think that's the right Hudson card that's going to be the one moving forward. I think we will see a much more improved Hudson card moving forward. But at the same time, you bring in a guy like Quinn Ewers, who is a top tier talent, according to the recruiting rankings, that's going to push that competition level to a whole nother factor. And I'm not quite sure who's going to start the season off, who's going to end the season, who's going to get the bulk of the reps. But I think being able to solidify who your quarterback is going to be for now and then for the future, at least for the next couple of years, I think that's a huge question mark that Steve Sarkeesian will have to figure out uh, now that spring ball is open and, and trying to get that settled before fall season comes around. So that's that's the first question to that. Uh, that, that second aspect that you talked about is that top tier playmaker. I think for me, being a running back and understanding what all it takes and encompasses to be uh, such a great individual and athlete in that position. I think Bijan Robinson is truly the best running back in the country. Uh, I know a lot of people like to put Trayvon Henderson in that category as well, who is those two guys are on a whole nother unbelievable level, in my opinion, in, in accordance with everybody else. But Bijan, to me, is just that top tier back, man. He can do it all. He is extremely gifted, a bigger guy that's 222 pounds, standing around six foot, like just a physical specimen. Obviously, he has the ability to run in between the tackles. He can run outside of the tackles. Uh, He can run over you. He will stiff arm your face into the ground, as we saw a couple of times last season in in the year prior. He will make you miss in the hole. He will find a way to break tackles. And then he has uh, that long speed. He can still break it and, and get out of there and, and go score for a long run. And so you you put that into what he can do as a ball carrier. And then we don't even realize how impactful he is as a pass catcher. He's catching balls out of the backfield. He's lining up in a slot position. And then he is the quarterback's first read sometimes whenever he's split out wide. And so being able to have that versatility at 222 pounds, that creates an animal that is unstoppable in my mind, and which is why I believe he is truly the best running back in the nation and the best playmaker on this Texas offense. So I know we said we were going to put you on the spot at the end, but I, but we have to ask the question, like Texas has had some greats come through. We talk about Ricky, Earl, Cedric, Jamal Charles, those kind of guys who are, who are in the conversation of, of all-time greats. So d- does Bijan have it? We're probably only going to get to see him for another year, let's just be honest here. But like, d- does he have the ability, or do you think he can break into that pantheon with, with a big, probably, final season in, in Austin? Absolutely. I think, according to statistically speaking, according to his stats, he has already been on pace or ahead of pace of what Cedric Benson did through his sophomore year, of what Jamal did through his sophomore year, what Earl did through his sophomore year, and even what Ricky was able to do through his sophomore year. Bijan has either stayed on pace around the same area or is already ahead of pace of what those guys have been able to do. So that shows you how 
truly special Bijan has been in the two seasons that he's been the running back uh, for the University of Texas. And not to mention, he obviously split time his freshman year, which a lot of the running backs did that I named as well. But it, it just goes to show you that he's in that same caliber. He's in that same category. He is at the table when you start talking about some of the best running backs that have come through the University of Texas. And whenever it's all said and done, I think he will have his place at that table because of what his impact means and what he's been able to provide and do for not only just his team, but for the entire university, just because of how humble he is, man. He's a different character, man. He, he can do it on the field, but then whenever he's off the field, uh, you don't even think he's as spectacular as he is because he's not talking about himself. He's not flashy. He's a very quiet individual and just stays humble and, and, and grounded all the time. So I think that's what makes him such a, a, a great person to be able to be around and a great person to put in there as one of the top running backs to ever come through at the University of Texas. And we love and respect your opinion on it, Fozzie. We were, uh, both Gerald and I are contemporaries around the same time. So we, uh, we watched you do it as well and do it to a high level. But one thing that a lot of fans remember from you, of course, is uh, the ability to change a game on the kick return. So shifting gears a little bit there, another playmaker, a guy who I know you've, you've talked to, do you think uh, our guy Jamison has the potential to uh, to add any more to the career tally, put himself in in that rarefied kind of air, give give Jordan Shipley uh, a, a run for his his all time records? No question about it. I think DJ uh, ha- has obviously unbelievable talent. Whenever you talk about the return game, uh, he's one of the top playmakers to be able to do it. Obviously tied with Jordan Shipley now for the most returns in Texas football history. This is the year for him. I think he has that opportunity to be able to take a panic off back. Uh, and I think he will be able to do that just because of how determined he is. I know how hungry he is that he, that he wants that record. He had a kick call back last season. Like it, it was right in time for him to be able to set that record. So he, he's still gunning for it uh, and working for it. I got to sit down with him actually before the spring game last year and had a one-on-one sit down about what that record would mean for him and, and, and the work that he's put in. So I, I truly believe DJ is a special talent, and I, and I think uh, he will be able to break that record at some point in time during the season. It'll be a huge celebration whenever he does. I love it. I love it. So ask a broader question, Fozzie. I think from – you know we've talked about questions on the offense and, and the, the highlight and some of the, the, the key playmakers, but I want to know from your perspective, like when we – you know when we're sitting down in December, maybe hopefully January, fingers crossed, I'm not going to get ahead of ourselves too much. But <laughs> when we look back at the season, like and we if we're to say the season was a success, like how would we measure that? How would we know that this season was a success in year two of the Steve Sarkeesian era? Like what would you say we should be looking for? That's a good question. I, I've been pondering over that. Uh, as well over the past probably couple of months. And, and I think the biggest thing that I can say is if you are competitive and playing or in contention to play for the Big 12 championship, I think that will create a successful season for this Texas football team. I don't expect them to go undefeated, but you never know. This is a team <laughs> that that have a lot of question marks, but they also have a ton of talent. And it, and it sometimes that's what we've heard for previous Texas uh, you know, staffs and previous Texas teams that have come in. Oh, this team is really talented, but we just don't know. It's kind of that same storyline this year. But the biggest difference for me is that I talked about earlier, Steve Sarkeesian addressing some of the issues that Texas has been having up front. Uh, 
with the offensive line and the defensive line. And this is the best offensive line class signed to Texas ever in the history, I guess, since they really were recording what those statistics mean from a standpoint of ranking players. So ever since ranking started, this is the best class signed to the University of Texas in that history since those rankings came out. So seeing that, it creates a different atmosphere for me, a different vibe and a different feeling of, okay, this is what we know has been struggling. This is where we know some of the downfalls happened throughout last season. And then we also know that Texas lost five of their seven games by one possession. We also know they were leading in those games into the third quarter. Four of those seven losses, Texas was leading in the third quarter in those games and kind of just ran out of the out of gas at the end of it. We know that they have the ability because they've shown it at least through three quarters. They just have to find a way to finish in that fourth quarter. And by addressing the line of scrimmage, I think that'll help put them over the hump and allow them to be in contention for that Big 12 championship. And if that is the case, then I do truly believe Texas fans should feel that this was a successful season. I, I love that. I think uh, we're, we're starting the new era. Let's uh, let's measure it by the the, the new standards and, and set set some new standards, right? So, Fozzie, I think what people really come to this podcast for, and, and obviously we have someone of your talent on and you break down the football team, but we have a little section we call rapid fire where we just uh, we're, we're just going to give you no heads up. We're just going to, you know, come off the cuff. You're a natural. This is like, uh, you know, local Lindo off the set and making jokes here. So just whatever whatever's coming, uh, you know, I, I, I trust you'll 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 be ready for it. But so, you know, we, you were on campus, I think, uh 08 to 12, right, right in that kind of range. You're, you're one of the seven, seven through 11, seven to 11. There we go. One of the only, uh, or one of the last classes, I guess, to play both Aggie and Sooner for, for a while, right? For a decade, pretty much. Um, so for you being a kid from Pearland, Texas, who is the bigger rival when you were on campus and, and, you know, maybe who is the, who's Texas biggest is biggest rival today. Uh, it was Oklahoma during that time frame, And it was because Oklahoma was just a better team than A&M at the time. And if we could beat Oklahoma whenever we were still splitting up in the Big 12 South and the Big 12 North, we know whoever won that Red River rivalry game was going to come out as the representative of the South probably nine times out of 10. So if you beat Oklahoma, then you represent the South to go play in the Big 12 championship. And then you have your key to if you win that Big 12 championship, uh, almost a lot to be able to play in the national championship if you haven't faltered uh, beforehand. So that that game had a lot on the line. And I think that's what made that rivalry so much more intense. And then the atmosphere uh, playing in Dallas, Cotton Bowl Stadium, just the history around it. And then that neutral site having it split 50 50. Uh, that was a crazy atmosphere and something that I truly uh, love being a part of and, and and miss being in that atmosphere all the time. But I think Oklahoma was the bigger one and, and really because they were the better team and what was at stake if you were able to win that game or if you lost that game. I think we need to get back to those days where whoever comes out of Dallas is going to play and probably win the conference. I think let's, let's, Absolutely. let's just get back there. So it's a it's a new day in, in college football. NIL is a thing, right? You, you missed it by a few years and, and – but I'd love to know from you, Fozzie, like if you could go back, like what would what would be like your dream NIL partnership? Like who would you like love to partner up with if you had the opportunity uh, to, to do so? 
So I would have loved, and, and this is kind of stemming off of B. John Robinson, right? He got his NIL deal with Lamborghini. I don't know if you all have seen that, but he he pushes a, a 2022 Huracan, uh, uh, and it's it's a beauty. I, I got to see it in person, and it was it was unbelievable. I was like, man, they got that that whip. But for me, the thing that I loved, and this was the kind of first rendition of the Raptor. Uh, the Ford Raptor. I'm a Ford guy. That is my favorite vehicle of, of all time. It's that Ford Raptor. And their first rendition was the Ford Lightning, uh, which came out kind of, I think it was 2011 whenever it came out. So if I was a senior in college and I had the NIL opportunity, then I, I definitely would have wanted to be able to get that Ford Lightning truck to be able to whip around and have some horsepower under the hood, either that or a, or a Shelby GT500. Okay. which would have been a, a sweet ride to be able to push around Austin as well. I knew I liked you, Fozzie. I, I've been I've been standing on the table that I would rather have Overshone's Stealth F-150 than the Lambo. That's just my personal preference. Like, I would much <laughs> rather have the big lifted truck than the sports car. I, I'm, a, I'm a bigger guy, too. I feel like I might get stuck in a Lamborghini. I'm just saying, the truck fits me better. All right. All right, Fozzie, this is a question we've had fun with. Uh, we've brought, you know, folks from other teams when we've previewed and asked them this question. We've never asked it to a Longhorn, I guess. So Texas has some some famous uh, people who've gone on to careers in, in WWE. Obviously, Steve Mongo McMichael was a Texas football player, went on to play in the WWE. Uh, the state of Texas has Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, all these these legends. Undertaker, Mark Henry, Texas fans. Huge Texas fans, Undertaker, Mark Henry. That's right. That's right. If you had to pick anyone you played with who would have been the best wrestler, and this is a combination of athleticism, ability on the microphone, uh, that that natural charisma, uh, who, who's your guy who post-career uh, was in the squared circle wearing tights? All right. This is a funny question, but I have the absolute answer. The, the problem right. is... I didn't play with him. I okay. came two years after him. His name okay. is Rod, Roderick Wright. So he played defensive <laughs> tackle, got drafted to the Miami Dolphins, played a few years in the league. Now he's actually uh, coaching the defensive line at the University of Miami uh, with Mario Cristobal. So the funny thing about it was my senior year, 2011, Rod was on as a GA. He was a, or I guess not GA, but a quality control coach at the University of Texas. So we actually lived together while he was working and I was going to school there and still playing ball. And we created a really tight knit, close relationship, even though we never played together. It just goes to show the bond and the brotherhood that the University of Texas has uh, in the football team. Just that that rite of passage of knowing you, you with your brothers. And so he looked out for me. Uh, he was renting a house up in North Austin. I, I was looking for a place. He brought me in. We split rent. Everything was gravy. But one of the things we always did was we watched all the pay-per-views, especially WrestleMania. Yes. And then we would go and reenact it on our own. <laughs> and we would just be walking down the street. We would walk down 6th Street and act like we was wrestlers and we had the microphone <laughs> and we had an impromptu like session on the mic with the ring, everything, calling out. Stone Cold calling out uh, uh, McMahon, Vince McMahon. Like we we would we would role play that all the time. And even now, we randomly go on trips and we'll just, hey, you over there, you want to come see me in this ring? You come find me right now, and we can square it out. 
no holes barred. <laughs> That's amazing. And we will pull it out on the spot, just impromptu. So Roderick Wright definitely got to be the guy that I would say would be a phenomenal wrestler. Uh, the charisma he would bring, he would go heel though. He'd have to be a heel. Like that's his thing. He loved being healed. So he would be the bad guy and like off rip. He wouldn't even ever want to share in the spotlight of being a good guy. So he would be <laughs> a heel from the from day one, have everybody hating him. But man, he would he would create so many fans uh, just because of his charisma, his attitude and the way that he carried himself. And then being able to speak off of the dome just real quick, man, he was good at it. So. That's who I would pick, Roger Wright. That speaks to my heart. My favorite play and one of my favorite plays in Red River history is Rod Wright scoring the touchdown after after Brian Robinson just blasted Brett Bomar. Really, like so. Th- this is like this is speaking to my soul in ways I didn't know I needed uh, tonight, man. I, I, it's just it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, so we'll we'll wrap up with this, and, and this is, is is not as serious, but you know as as. Texas is shifting to the SEC. We we don't know if it's next year, two years, whatever. But you know, what are who are you looking forward to seeing Texas play the most? Other than A and M, right? We're all excited to see them play A and M a game. But outside of the Aggies, who we'll we'll send them back with a loss like we did ten years ago. But outside of them, who are you most excited to see Texas either go visit or host in DKR? Like, what's what's your game that you've got circled? You know, honestly, obviously. You, you look at SEC and you can see that LSU is going to be a great game. Alabama is always going to be a great game. Whenever they play Georgia, it's going to be a great game. Those are bloodlines. And then you obviously see Florida as well as bloodline games. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, like all of those games will be phenomenal. But getting back to that Southwest Conference rivalry, man, that obviously A&M is going to be unbelievable. But that Arkansas game, I, I think that's the one I got circled right now. The way they dogged us last year <laughs> yep, in yep. favor, like yep. that, that it don't sit. I didn't play, but I felt like I, I played and I got disrespected <laughs> the way that they dogged us at the line of scrimmage and was able to just out physical, out muscle us. Uh, and, and they made it seem very easy. I'm not going to lie. And, and it seemed like it came natural for them to bully Texas. And that's not what Texas brand is typically about. So, I got that circled on my calendar the moment that they get to play them again, because it's going to be some payback and retribution on behalf of Texas that needs to be had, because we we can't allow that to happen no more in that Southwestern Conference. I mean, we look at Arkansas right now. You can see in the College World Series, man. I was on my Sirius XM show yesterday and there they have a bar out there in Omaha. I forgot the name of the bar, but they are tallying up how many people take shots. And, and it's fans from different schools. And Arkansas was by far had the best fan base of the number of people that took jello shots at this <laughs> bar. It was 336 jello shots that those Arkansas fans had taken. And the next closest, uh, I want to say, was Ole Miss with 208. So it was like a gap of almost 120 jello shots uh, between first and second place. And that just goes to show you how passionate Arkansas fans about their sports and it's the same way with football which creates an extremely hostile environment which Texas was introduced to last year but I think that's also what creates a awesome rivalry it's the same way whenever you go to A&M as well is that stadium is going to be rocking and you're going to have everybody against you but the best feeling you get is whenever you kick that ball and it says zero zero and Texas wins 
uh, the last time that they played A&M and you get that feeling like the whole stadium just got shut up, that is a feeling like no other. Uh, so that that's what I'm really hoping for Texas to be able to get back to the days where uh, they can dominate, you know, Arkansas, they can dominate A&M and obviously want to dominate Oklahoma as well. But that A&M is circled on my calendar for sure the next time that they play. All right, Fozzie, let's end it on a, on an easy note. You were uh, on the 40 Acres, 07 to 2011. You're still making memories now as part of Longhorn Network and all the things you're doing around Austin. But from your college days, do you have a favorite memory that you can share with everybody? Yes, actually. It's probably my time with Longhorn Network. So Longhorn Network was introduced to the University of Texas my senior year, which was 2011. And the best part about it was obviously it was coverage all the time. Uh, wasn't necessarily used to that or expecting that, but the exposure that I was able to get into the broadcasting world, I thought was uh, extremely important to my career uh, because it really opened a light into something that I wanted to pursue as a career after I finished playing football. So it gave me the, the doorway into allowing myself to see what it was like to be an analyst, to be a broadcaster uh, and, and put that on display. But one of the best things that I was able to take from it as well, my senior year was executive producer, Andy Wall. She was the one that suggested I do a Fozzie's Safari show. And if you know anything about me, you know that I love animals and all sorts of animals. They can be regular. They can be dogs, cats. They can be exotic, whatever. I'm an animal person. And so at the time, I had several animals uh, while I was living in my apartment. And Andy pitched the idea that we bring them all onto the show. We record a show and we play it on Longhorn Network for people to be able to see. And I thought that was one of the most incredible features that uh, you know, I've ever been a part of up to that point, just being a college kid. Nobody really got opportunities to have a feature uh, just about their pets uh, <laughs> and, and then named it after myself with graphics to match it and everything. They had a picture of me and like in a safari hat, like I was out in Africa or whatever <laughs> on the excursion and, and everything. So they, they did it great. Uh, but I thought that was really, really amazing. You know, a lot of times you see a lot of the coaches shows happening and for them to put me on the same spotlight as where they put like the coaches shows, all the interviews and live games and sports. I thought that was really humbling and a cool experience. And it, like I said, it put me in the doorway to be able to keep that relationship that I fostered that first year in 2011 with Andy Wall. And then now this is my, I think, fourth year actually uh, being a broadcaster and sports analyst for Longhorn Network. And Andy Wall is still up there and she's been my my plug and my contact, my backbone uh, since I finished playing and just allowed me to to explore the broadcasting world and allow me to be in the position that I'm in now. So I appreciate her for that moment. Laura Galindo been there since day one as well. That's my ride or die right there, LG. So uh, just that relationship that I've been able to foster from that video and then just from 2011 all the way 11 years later, and I'm still connected with those same people. So that's that's probably what I take away most uh, from my time on campus. I was not expecting the the Fozzie's safari, but I think that's that's a per it's a perfect answer. You got to go into the archives and find it, man. It was hilarious. <laughs> I had a oh, duck man. named Chip. 
that we set on a table and he fell off the table and, and made like a little quacking noise and he fell to the ground and they never let me live it down. 11 years later, they still crack up about Chip falling off the table. So. I love it. I love it. So, Fozzie, man, we really appreciate you giving us some time of your evening. Uh, man, I know you've got the Sirius XM show. Like, where can, where can fans get more of what you have to offer? Because we, uh, we'd obviously love to have that opportunity. Yeah, so I do Sirius XM every Monday morning, channel 375. Uh, that covers the Big 12 Conference, and I'm, I'm talking about all sports. Uh, typically, obviously, College World Series is, is front of mind right now because that's what's going on. But, man, we always dive in heavy into the football talk, a uh, little bit of basketball talk as well. I mean, baseball, volleyball, all of it. We cover it all, and it's the entire conference so it's not just a University of Texas spotlight, even though I try to make it into that as often <laughs> as I can. And then also uh, I'm on Longhorn Network, like I said, uh, July 13th and 14th, uh, Big 12 Media Days, Long uh, Longhorn Network. We will have our own separate coverage for three hours between 10 and 1 for both of those days. So we'll be getting into the nitty gritty of all the rule changes and all the new things that'll be uh, taking place for the Big 12 in its entirety and what that means for the Texas Longhorns. Um, and then on social media, you can find me. My handle is the same on Twitter as well as Instagram. It's Fozzy Wit, So F-O-Z-Z-Y-W-H-I-T-T. So at Fozzy Wit, that's how I like to say it. Two Z's, two T's. That's where you can find me. I love it, man. Everyone follow him. A, a great, great tweets. Uh, incredibly adorable children on the on the Instagram. You're never going to regret or have a bad day when you're following Fozzie on social media. The kiddos keep me grounded, too. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing will humble you like a kid, man. Fozzie, thank you again so much, man. We appreciate the time. We'll let you get back to your family. No doubt, man. I appreciate y'all having me on. Thank you again. All right, Gerald. It's hard to top. Uh, a few minutes with the Wizard of Foz, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna transition it out now and into the greater world through burnt orange lenses. Um, let's start it, Gerald, with a bit of uh, outgoing Texas news. Taylor Fogelman named the head coach of the LSU women's tennis program. That's uh, the uh, current uh, f- last four years as the associate head coach of that team uh, that just won back-to-back national championships. I think losing uh, Taylor as well as Peyton Stearns will leave some uh, some positions to be to be filled. Um, but always excited to see our coaching tree in every sport continue to grow and produce head coaches. That we've talked about it for the football program, and we hope it, it gets back to that. But like, we want Texas to be a destination program, and that doesn't just extend to the football team or the basketball team. You know, the Fogelman was a, was a assistant coach of the year, um, and she's obviously going back home. It's hard to it's hard to say no when Mama calls, but like. Texas producing more head coaches, regardless of the program, just shows that that's the standard at which Texas should be. They should have the top assistants in the game, the folks that are next up to be uh, head coaches somewhere. And Taylor Fogelman is somebody that is going to be hard to replace for Texas. But again, when when you're turning assistants into head coaches, uh, it's usually pretty solid a a way to, to find a backfill quickly. In uh, in other news, keeping on the women's sports, we have some incoming as well. Women's basketball announced uh, the end of last week they signed uh, Khadija Fay, who uh, played the previous two seasons at Texas Tech. So I'm sure um, all tortilla-related Twitter accounts will be 
very um, generous to her when when they play in women's basketball because they're a group of very nice people on social media. Uh, but the 6-4 post from Senegal originally played in 38 career games, 24 starts, um, is a is a big uh, that will come in and, and add some depth for Texas where, um, you know, with both men's and, and women's, we wanted to get a big. And so far, the women have done it. Still waiting on the men. Anytime Texas can take anyone from Texas Tech, it's, it make them mad. I think that's something I'm down for. Like, especially, um, you know, again, Texas needed – size and athleticism in the post and, and obviously I'm, I'm joking about the the first part but like you know coach Schaefer was not quiet about his uh, frustrations with the the post play and, and the athleticism down low and that's something that Texas kind of got exploited in in that you know it, it, it's hard it's finding pimples on a prom queen when we're talking about a team that went to back-to-back elite eights they could have and and should have potentially made the final four if they had gotten better play down low. And so there's no shot at, at the players that are outgoing, but additional size and, and someone who's able to both score down low and play defense and work those boards, you know, averaging more than a, more than a block per game. Like that's, that's one of the things that Texas needs. And I think is, is hopefully part of the secret sauce to get them uh, over that elite eight hump, which again, seems like greedy to say, like <laughs> go back to back. Vic Schaefer has taken Texas to more elite eights in his, tenure in texas than in the 50 years prior but like you know he's set a standard now so you gotta you gotta keep it up coach conrad did pretty good in the 80s but i don't know my exact math uh of uh of if that's 50 years or not but it's been a few no doubt and a willing <laughs> defender is what vic's looking for and i think what he uh, what he just got there a couple uh i guess plaudits if you will and also call up we're going to call this uh soccer's texas soccer's uh, lexi mismo and trinity byers both selected to the u20 squad for that i believe this is sued ladies cup it's uh, i believe that's played in, in france there so the sued uh ladies cup the duo <laughs> will represent the red white and blue in aubergine france for june 16th to 29th just a nice little summer and i believe that's the south of france i'm gonna guess uh nice nice way to spend a summer I would do anything to, to spend, a, you know, three weeks in France and the end of June. Seems like a nice way to spend your time. I uh, I, I will will get two days in Paris uh, in, in my first trip to Europe, and uh, I, I'm a little jealous. It's it's two versus their 14, but I guess I don't have to do rigorous training. Uh, soccer also announced their, their fall schedule, um, and the, the biggest news is they'll host a high-profile four-team invitational-style event uh, at home welcoming North Carolina University of Florida and Baylor to Mike a Myers Stadium I think there's like 25 national championships across those uh, those three teams and Baylor has zero of them um, but uh, <laughs> North Carolina is uh, you know basically what what UConn is to women's basketball and and uh, and OU recently has been to to women's softball and and I don't know I guess Alabama has been to, to football recently North Carolina is uh, the the historical goat here so a, a big name coming in uh, will be a good test for a team that's young and getting better from last year and hoping to uh, to make a good run it's good to know early in the season that like, how you measure up against national caliber national championship caliber teams it lets you kind of set expectations and set uh where you're going for uh for the rest of the season and again if we want texas to be in the national championship competition or national championship conversation in every sport then these are the types of non-conference games they should be playing speaking of non-conference games that we will be playing uh the 2023 Big 12 SEC Challenge uh, participants were announced, and we are running back UT squared. Um, it is Texas 
traveling to Knoxville to take on uh, the Volunteers. Last year was sort of a, a homecoming of sorts for Coach Barnes, but not a particularly nice one in a, in a crazy game. It ended up a one-point uh, win for the Longhorns, 52-51. Barnes will get to host Coach Beard and the Horns to the probably not-so-friendly confines in Knoxville. I, I have no ill will towards Rick Barnes. I honestly uh, feel like Rick Barnes is part of the reason why Texas fans have such high expectations for Texas basketball. Like, Rick Barnes raised the level of basketball at Texas. But you also always just want to beat your former coach, like, regardless. All right, Joe, we will close it out uh, in this section with uh, some some more praise on the national level. Five Longhorns secured spots on the U.S. Rowing 2022 U23 national team. That's uh, Caitlin Nifton, Francesca Raggi, Anna Jensen, Caitlin S. and Sue Holderness representing at the World Rowing U23 Championships in Italy this July. Basically, come to UT, get really good on one of these programs and spend your summers paid for representing your country in the the world's hottest tourist destinations. That's what I'm hearing. That's what we failed to do during our time on the 40 Acres, Joe. My hot tour destination while on the 40 Acres was either Natural Bridge Caverns over the summer or um, <laughs> I did take a couple of road trips uh, for some college football games. So those are probably the, the, the exotic locales that we visited. You know, Lubbock and College Station and uh, Waco. <laughs> I saw you saw Prairie Dog Town in Lubbock, Texas, and uh, and the underground uh, Texas' largest and most spectacular underground attraction, of course, Natural Bridge Caverns. <laughs> Amazing. All right, Gerald, let's uh, let's send this one home with a little bit of Godzilla charm. What do you watch on your giant screen or in your hotel room? Your 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 you know moderately sized television screen. Uh, yeah, it's it's not a bad hotel, honestly. I've been watching the um the information page over and over because I like dropped my bag off, went to a meeting, went to dinner, and then came back and recorded a podcast. So, um, yeah, not a whole lot to watch <laughs> on there. Over the weekend, it was Father's Day, so I did a lot of like stuff. Like, I feel like Father's Day is always the day where like we should, I I just want to hang out with my kids and like not have to like my wife yeah. wrangled them a little bit, but like we did watch so No Time to Die, the, the last Daniel Craig Bond movie came out like mid COVID and we had like a newborn. And so we never made it out to the theater to catch it. And so it's streaming on Amazon right now. I was like, you know what? It's father's day. I'm going to pick a movie and it's going to be, you know, just it's, it's, this is not a compromise movie. My wife wanted to watch it anyways, but it was something that, uh, we watched and it was, it was good. It was, um, I, I feel, I, I have mixed feelings about Rami Malek as an actor outside of like maybe Bohemian Rhapsody and, or Mr. Robot, but like, it was fine. It was good. It was a great end to the Daniel Craig era of James Bonding. But uh, I mean, it was it was fine. It was fine. Uh, I do I, I listen to audiobooks when I travel. Um, so like that's that's the thing I do like in the airport when I'm working or returning email. So well into book two of the Mistborn series, The Well of Ascension, which sounds super nerdy, but uh, I'm enjoying it so far because Brandon Sanderson is really good. Yeah, I. I... Haven't seen that James Bond. Uh, I do love Anna Darmus and and uh, and Jeffrey Wright as well. So uh, it's a good cast. I'm looking at it. I, I may have to check it out. I do have a lot of memories with my dad watching James Bond films, the the classics, going through marathons when they'd have them on and watching those with him. So I associate a lot of that with him. So I associate it with Father's Day. So I, 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 I I'm with you on that one, um, Gerald. I have two things right here on my list, and they will wildly um, split your affinity for them. The first of these is, uh, I, I started, um, I started playing a, uh, Xbox game pass free, 
uh, game, decided I needed to, to play something I hadn't in a while, and uh, found a, a an Assassin's Creed game. I don't I think it's the newest, maybe the second newest out, Assassin's Creed Origins. It's set in a kind of a pharaoh uh, time frame of, of Egypt, um, post-Alexander, uh, post, uh, you know, it, 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 I can't give you an exact year. I'm blanking. I'm not far <laughs> enough in the game. But it is an, it's, a, it's an interesting world to explore. That's always my favorite thing. Like, I, I don't do sci-fi as much as I do history. Like, you know, I ride for the National Treasure movies. You know, as you should. Um, but that's, that's why I love these games, because it's basically like an immersive museum, right? You're going through these really cool, really, they do a good job with detailing and throwing in little historical jokes as well. Um, so it, I, I know Gerald that Assassin's Creed games are your favorite pastime, um, but I like it. I enjoy it. Inside jokes make podcasts great. Um, uh, the other thing I'm doing is what we do in the shadows. Just started it. I'm like two episodes in and I think you are one of like four or five people who've told me that I would like this uh, at some point. It's been a while since you recommended it to me, but uh, I thought of you when I started. I was excited to tell you. So I'm very, very early in. So far, I like it. Uh, again, don't have enough to really form, you know, give eloquent opinions. But I know this is a show you love, right? Yeah, and, and I will say it has the it, – again, it has a sitcom problem where it's like, – it takes a couple of episodes for the actors and the, and the, the writers to really settle in, but it is – hilarious as it as it continues to to build and grow i'm excited for all of that gerald i, I am my the earliest laugh is just i i'm i'm loving the concept in episode one the introduction of the concept of the energy vampire who doesn't feast off blood but off sapping the energy out of rooms and just being the most boring human being alive i got like a that's just a good well-crafted joke and character setup so excited for plenty from this show um but yeah, that's me. Colin Robinson is such a, a hilarious character, and he just continues to get better and better as the series progresses. So I think you'll continue to enjoy it. And as somebody who uh, has worked in an office before, you've probably experienced um, a Colin Robinson or two, or maybe you've been the Colin Robinson uh, on your team. But it's fine. It's fine. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, we're going to get folks find you on the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, The Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. <laughs>